such a, a big topic when it comes to seeing things happen in the kingdom of God. I mean, there's humility. Humility is another big deal in the kingdom. How many think humility is a, is a great need right now in the body of Christ and in the world? Humility is dependence on God. That's the best definition. Andrew Murray gave us that definition. But humility and honor go together. And what I want to talk about today is if we really want to see the supernatural, miraculous move of God. We got any Pentecostals, Charismatics in here that want to see like super powerful stuff happen. People coming off our chairs and, you know, the roof opening up and angels showing up. I mean, I don't know. That's what I mean. That's, that's what I signed up for, you know. We'll do, a, we'll do a budget meeting afterwards and, like, meet in the budget. Yeah, that's all great and nice, and we, we try to do our best. But we want to see God move. Well, honor is the key. The honor is, a, is the key to a culture of the supernatural. Honor is the key to the supernatural. Miracles are easy. Come on, tell your neighbor. Miracles easy. It's that, it's that love thing that's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's, that's, the, that's the hard thing. You know, the charismatic church, we focus so much on the, just the miracles, got to, you know, press in and strive for those things. You know, we can't work for the miracles. Jesus did the work for the miracles. Come on. Like, we can't work for that. He already paid the price for the supernatural power of God to flow through you. But there are some things that we need to get in order to set up in our own lives so that the supernatural power of God can flow. Humility is one of them, but I want to really touch on honor. How many have ever driven along and, and you look at somebody's bump, bumper sticker and it says, my child was an honor roll student. You know, you see those bumper stickers and you're like, oh, great. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but how many know that that God wants to have a bumper sticker on his car with your name on it saying, this is one of my honor roll kids. We want to get on God's honor roll. Amen? So as I minister this morning, one of the, um, I'm going to talk out of Mark chapter 6. And for some odd reason, when someone was really crazy enough to give me a mic, give me a platform, the first person to do that, God bless their soul. Hopefully they don't regret it. But this was actually the first message I ever spoke was out of Mark chapter 6. And it's the story I'm going to give you today. So I have a lot of uh, endearment toward this scripture because I have always longed to see God move. I, I, I love revival. I love to see the, the, the miraculous power of God, how it has flowed throughout history. And how every great church, every church, Methodist church, Catholic Church, Presbyterian, it all started with a supernatural move of God. It's just their fires have gone out. So it's great to, to learn what happened, what, what, how did people get stuck? How, did, how do we not quench the spirit and keep moving forward? And I believe that uh, getting on the honor roll is one of the keys. So let's look into our text today, um, Mark chapter 6, and let me pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you that our ears are open to hear what you have to say. Lord, let my words be your words this morning. And God, I pray today that as we lean into your word, I thank you for revelation from the depths of your word that will impact every heart, every mind, every person that hears the sound of my voice, that they'll be impacted in a new way 
through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. So here we have Jesus. He's, he's been traveling. Uh, scholars tell us that Jesus traveled in 10 different cities surrounding uh, in, in the Galilee area. He went from city to city teaching. And when he came back to his hometown, there was something that shifted in his hometown that made the people reject him. How many know that it's a challenge when you've got to minister to people in your own home? Come on. Because familiarity breeds contempt. And people don't see. People oftentimes don't have eyes to see in the spirit about what God is doing in your life. And they reject you based on your past or what they see in the natural instead of looking into the spiritual. And you and I can't stumble because their eyes are not opened to what's going on in the spirit. And it's vital that we just we can walk away from things like that where people because you will be rejected. You will be turned away. People will look down and you people will not accept your gifting. That's how you grow. Look what they did to Joseph. They threw him in a pit. Pit stands for pastor in training. Prophet in training. Come on. We get thrown into the pit. People reject us. But it's, it's not their fault. They don't have the spiritual eyes to see things. But there will be people God will send into your life that will see what's on you in the spirit. And so Jesus came to his own hometown and there was, there was no honor for him. We see in Deuteronomy 5.16... The Bible commands us one of the Ten Commandments. It made the top ten. Number five, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long. How many want long days? That just means you'll have a long life. Not long days. That doesn't sound good. And it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So we define honor as a decision we choose to express by placing high value worth or importance on another person. So honor creates healthy relationships. And learning what honor really means. How do we value someone? How do we, let's say that our, our parents have not been ideal. Maybe they were Tarzan and Jane the way they raised us. And no offense if your parents' names are Tarzan and Jane. That was completely an accident. But we honor their position. Understand, we honor their position but there are some things that we have to walk through in life understanding. Honor is not always agreement. But honor is always an attitude of the heart. And we must walk in that place of honor. Honor creates life-giving and life-promoting relationships. Are you a person of honor? When we look into the story of Alexander the Great, one time it's a story about him walking along and he had his generals next to him and Alexander the Great, you probably heard of him. There was another guy named Alexander the Mediocre, but you never heard of him because he was mediocre. But this guy was Alexander the Great. And when Alexander, that was good. You guys like that, I can tell. Jeez, okay. <laughs> he was walking along with his generals, and he saw this beggar on the side of the road. And the man says, please give me a copper, copper coin. Alexander goes into his pocket. Instead of pulling out a copper coin, he flings a gold coin to him. 
And the, his general said, why did you give him a gold coin? He asked for a copper coin. He said, I didn't give him a copper coin because that's not who I am. I gave him a gold coin because of who I am, not because of who he was. You understand? So what comes from us is honor. It doesn't mean that we always get it back in the same way, but we are people of honor. I'm a person of honor. That means that my lifestyle, the way I live, how I give, how I interact must be as honorable. The, the word for honor in Hebrew is the same word for glory, kabod. We want the kabod of God, the heaviness of God. We, but it, it's based in honor. That's why I love worship, because we're honoring Jesus Christ as Lord. We're giving him the highest praise. We're building him a throne. Some of you need to step up in your worship. I'm just lean into that. What's the next step you could go in your worship to be louder, to be more exalting of him? Not to base it on the songs or, or how awesome the team is, but I'm here to worship because I want to give Jesus the honor due his name. How many are grateful for what he did for you 2,000 years ago? Come on. I always say it's like every Sunday we get to have a birthday party for Jesus. And when you go to somebody's birthday party, you're not the guest of honor. It's not about you. It's about the person who's having the birthday party. And when you sing happy birthday, you don't care how it sounds. I mean, most of the time when people sing happy birthday, it's horrible. But you're doing it. Why? Because you want to honor and give that person that special day. So let me explain. The first thing I want you to fill in your bulletin is honor brings life, not death. Paul writes this in the book of Ephesians. He says, honor your father and your mother. That is the first commandment with a promise. Do you understand when you honor, his promises will chase you down. That's a good day. And he goes on to say that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. So honor carries a promise with it. Live a long life and life will go well with you. There are, there are studies that, and you could, when we talk, we do a lot of ministry. A lot of times, the, the time that a, a child makes some horrible decisions is the very same moment they choose to dishonor their parents. It goes hand in hand. And I bet many of you thinking today, you're like, yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's me, um, unfortunately. So there's honor. And when we walk in honor, that what happens is, is there's something that will follow us. We need to honor those that God has chosen to influence our life. And there, I'll, I'll show you a little bit more. It's not just with parents. It's, it's with um, a number of different people. The Bible actually points out, honor these groups of people. Honor. These are important pr principles. Number two, it's honor is sometimes offensive, and it's not easy. So get ready to be offended. When God tells you to honor someone, you're like, mm-mm. This is not easy. Oftentimes, this is what happens is God chooses someone to be the boss, but they're not the smartest one, and they may not have all the, the intellect, but God chose them to lead, and we have to honor that person because they're chosen by God. And that makes it very difficult because oftentimes, you're 10 times smarter. You may be 10 times smarter than your boss, but you're not anointed for that work. So you're called to honor regardless of 
It's, it's God's choice. And God uses some people that sometimes I'm going, uh, God, I wouldn't have picked them. But he doesn't seem to talk to me like that sometimes. He doesn't seem to ask me sometimes. So we need to look for the anointing on people's life. And then we need to respect the ones that God has chosen. But how do you have those eyes? How do you know? You spend time with Jesus every day. He will, he will give you those eyes. He will, he will teach you in that quiet place. This is the person that I have chosen. But it's offensive. As, and this is exactly what happened in the town of Nazareth, which was Jesus' hometown. You know, God releases his authority from heaven so that he can get something done here on earth. That's what he wants to see. God is not in control. He's in charge. He's releasing his authority. And we need to honor those who have been given a task, given a purpose, given uh, given assignment from God to complete. Now listen to what happens in Nazareth. Jesus is in his hometown. He's ministering, and it says, Many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, for many of you, you may not have realized, but Joseph had some half-brothers and sisters. And as they don't mention Joseph here, most scholars believe Joseph died, uh, but Mary had children after Jesus was born. That's, that's what is taught. That's what most scholars believe. And his, actually one of his brothers took over the church in Jerusalem after uh, Jesus was risen and ascended. But you see the very people in his own family, in his own hometown, that they were stumbling over who he was. They struggled. Like, who is this? Who is this man? He does these miraculous things and these great works. How do we reside with that? How does that work? And it says that they took offense at him. And can I tell you that we have to be aware that people oftentimes get offended because they've been living a mediocre life and then excellence shows up and exposes their mediocrity. True. True. And sometimes we feel that. We get around someone that's doing an amazing thing, and instead of coming along that person and honoring what God's doing in them, we try to criticize them, and, and we realize that we're just offended because we feel small, and we get jealous. And so that's okay to feel a little com uncomfortable. You know, I was, a I'm, I'm, I was a musician. I'm still a musician. But I, I wanted to be a great musician, but I don't think it was just in the cards for me. I would practice and work a lot. And I can remember in college, I had, had a band. We had long hair back in the 80s, and we were trying to, you know, be the best and the fastest guitar player. And I remember meeting this guy, and he was like 10 times better than me. And I hated his guts. <laughs> he would just get up there and play, and I'd be like, I hate you. I hate you. Instead of coming to him and saying, Dude, show me, show me how you got that good. Like, show me what you're doing. Let me learn from you. I would be a lot better guitar player today if I would have taken that stance. But what happened was I felt too small. And I wasn't, I, I didn't realize, you know, everyone's given a gift and a call. And we just have to be faithful with what God has given us. 
And when and there's other people that God just puts a tremendous anointing on, I just honor it. That's God right there. Come on. That's good. You feel that? <laughs> uh, sometimes you just feel something. You're like, okay, I think an angel just showed up or something. All right, that's good. But hey, anyway, this is my, you know, envy, envy made the top ten. It's the last of the Ten Commandments. It says don't be envious of other people. There's always going to be someone that's doing something better than you are, that's more, you know, just more blessed. It, it, I don't know why. I, sometimes I'm like, God, that doesn't seem fair. But learning how don't give in to that envy, it's sin. Envy is sin. And this is my favorite picture when it comes to envy. I think this just summarizes uh, envy. It's a picture of the two little kiddos. Did anything come up? Is there a picture? Oh, I lost it. It is in there. If you look on the desktop, bring it up if you can. But that will come. That will come. Slight technical difficulties. He's got it. He's coming. You guys are good. So it's probably in recents, but it's okay. What happens is, is that envy is one of the reasons. Envy is a sin. Let's remember that. That feeling that you want to pull someone else down because they're doing better than you are is sin. Let's just repent of that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, <laughs> we repent of the sin of envy in our lives, Lord. Forgive us. We know that we'll never be completely free of it, but Lord, help us deal with it more quickly and more thoroughly every time it comes up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay? I mean, I'm an anointed preacher, but I can't deliver you from envy today. It's going to something you're going to have to work on. Continue. You're still going to feel it. Don't worry. <laughs> you're still going to feel it, but just say, Lord, get it out of me. I don't want it in my life in Jesus' name. But can I tell you, also, when we talk about honor, There you go. Is that how you feel sometimes? That's a million-dollar picture right there. I like that one. So we're talking about being offended. And remember, when we honor, we honor where God's moving. If God is making someone fruitful and blessing them, we need to honor what he's doing. And we have to be aware of that fleshly nature that's inside of us that wants to feel small and pull it down. And envy is very insidious, and it disguises itself oftentimes as righteousness or something else. And sometimes it's like, bro, that's, that's not righteousness here. You're just jealous. Ouch. And sometimes we need to talk to our souls like that. That's just your flesh, man. Like, just God, God, God moves how he wants to move. He chooses, you know, the whole, how many have seen the Jesus Revolution? Amen. Like, Lonnie Frisbee. He was a man that that uh, was, I mean, you know, he was basically, he came to Jesus because he took an LS, he took off all his clothes and took an LSD trip and said, God, I want to know you, and God showed up. Now, that doesn't sound like good theology right there. That's what happened. And he's witnessing the naked people on the beach. I mean, that's a little bit offensive. Can I share Jesus with him? What? But God used this man powerfully and mightily. It wouldn't be my first choice. I'd be like, God, I want to, I have some issues with that. But he's the one who sparked 
the Calvary Chapel movement, the Harvest Bible movement, the Vineyard. We were part of the Vineyard movement for a while. He sparked that whole movement. I mean, the Spirit of God was on him. God chose him. I don't know how that all works, but we just need to honor what God's doing and who he's moving through. And then bless it. And bless it and, and learn to grow. So don't be surprised if you get offended. Don't be surprised if there's something inside of you that, that rise, raises its head. Just deal with it. Say, Lord, forgive me for envy in Jesus' name. Number two, or number three, I want you to fill this in. It's, some, it's the position, not the person. You know, we, we talk about honor, honoring uh, our mother and father. If you've had a, a you know, mother and father, very difficult you still honor your, their position in your life. But that doesn't mean you agree with them. That doesn't mean that they move in with you or you obey everything they say. It's a matter of just saying honor. And if they ask you something, you say, I'll, I'll take that to the Lord. Always treat your mom and dad with honor so that life will go well with you and you will live long. But at the same time, it's not a control thing. Honor is not always an action. It's an attitude. And we have to be aware of that. So Jesus, here they are, they're, they're all offended. Jesus is ministering. He's doing miracles. He's doing signs and wonders. And in the place of his hometown where you expect, they'd be like, that's Jesus. He was raised here. Instead of accepting him, they reject him. And Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. I'm going to say this again. Familiarity breeds contempt. Don't allow, when you get close to people, there's some real anointed people that God has put in your life. As you get close to them, don't forget they're real people. <laughs> they're not anything supernatural sometimes. But God's placed a mantle or a call on them. And we have to respect that. We have to honor that even in the midst of their flaws. When Moses, Moses was a powerful man of God. And he was called, God called him one time to go up onto the top of this mountain. And he would lift his hands. And as his hands were lifted up, his second in command, Joshua, would win the battle. As long as his hands were raised. And when his, ever his hands went down... What happened was, is Joshua, then they would start losing the battle. And they finally figured this out. Like, we got to make sure that, that Mo here doesn't get tired. We need to help hold his hands up. So what happens is, is next thing you know, that uh, Moses is, is getting tired. So he gets Aaron and, and Nun, and they, they, come up, they come up next to him, her, and they, and they hold his hands up. Now, what do you think they're smelling right about now? They're holding his hands up, and where's their nose? It's right in his armpit. Like, it doesn't smell very good. But Moses was chosen. He was the one that was chosen by God that as long as his hands were up, the battle would be won. And then they won the battle. And I think there's a lot of battles that are lost because we're not willing to hold up our leader's hands and instead of going, I smell B.O., Duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the good thing here, let me tell you this. If your leaders are wrong, God will bless you. God will bless you. If your leaders are off, God will bless you. 
And we have to be aware of those things. Because your leaders will make mistakes. Your leaders will make bad decisions sometimes. And it's like, we just pray for your leaders. Pray for me. You know, I encourage you guys, pray for the leadership team here. Pray for my wife and I. Pray for our elders. Pray for our pastors here. We need prayer. We don't want to do stupid stuff. We want to make a difference. We want to move the needle in Richmond. So let me say this. Honor does not always equal agreement. That's the last thing you can fill in. Honor does not equal agreement or necessarily submission. There is times when your leaders will tell you to do things that I, that just doesn't, I don't feel that's God. I, I can't do it. There are times when you, but you still disagree honorably. You understand? You pray about it. There are people in my life, if they tell me something, I weigh it really heavily and I prayerfully, sometimes even fast, because if this is not you, Lord, I don't want to be in disobedience. But there are other people that they give me advice and I don't weigh them as much. You need to take advice from the right people, but always have the attitude. Honor is an attitude of the heart. What's in your heart? That is so key if you want to see the supernatural. Don't dishonor your leaders, but don't put them on a pedestal either. <laughs> Some people in leadership position, they want the pedestal. Your pastor wants Jesus to have that place of honor. I want him to be glorified and honored. But as your spiritual leader and your shepherd, God gives me, I believe, special knowledge and information for you. And so when you make decisions, big decisions, or you're praying about something, let me know so I can pray. It's not to control. It's to bless you. It's to help you go to the next level. And so there is, there's a cost to walking in honor. Remember that. It's going to cost you. We're called to honor the Lord in our giving. Can I tell you, I can see someone who's a person of honor by looking at their checkbook and how they give. There's two books. There's the Bible and your checkbook. I can see. Are you honoring God? The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Your finances, your, your time, your commitments, your priorities. To ask you, Lord, am I honoring you with my priorities? Who's number one? Give God your first and your best. And it also will cost you with how people in the world relate to you. We live honorably. That's why we don't do certain things in our lives. That's why we choose to live pure and honorable before the Lord. Because we live a life of honor. It's interesting when we look in Genesis chapter 1. And I know last week we were in Genesis but there is a, a process that goes through that if you're a person of honor, there are things that you will separate from in your life. If you're a person of honor, there are things that you won't say. There are things that you won't watch. There are places that you won't go because you're a person of honor. Now, sometimes God will send people into some pretty uh, strange places, but they're called of God to do that. But you're going places, looking at things, investing in some things, prioritizing some things, 
because you have not chosen to actually separate yourself from things. And this is hard for a lot of Christians. They are afraid to separate from some things because the world has accepted everything. Right now, there's, there's a unifying of good and evil in our culture. But as a Christian and a follower of the Word of God, someone who honors Jesus with their life, I have to separate good from evil. But I don't get applauded or honored for that in our society any longer because our society honors tolerance and accepting and unifying of all these principles more than they honor the word of God. So we're going to be rejected in our culture because we have not sep we have chosen to separate ourselves from certain behaviors, certain lifestyles, certain actions because we're honorable people and we should be. Let me show you. Can I show you in the book of Genesis real quick? Uh, is that a yes or a no? Okay. Okay. I have the mic. All right. So just make sure you guys are awake. All right. All right. So, and I, was, I would do it anyway. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So it's our job to see what is good to recognize it, and then to separate it from evil. That's what God did. We're made in the image of God. That's what we do. And then God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Notice that a Jewish day starts with first with evening. And then with morning. So a Jewish day actually begins at nightfall. So tonight, when you can see three stars in the sky, the sky look to your friend and go, hey, it's a new day. Because that's the way the Jews believed in time, saw time, saw days. And then we see that there's a God speaks, he separates, and he affirms, and it's blessed. What happens in our culture today is they refuse to separate good from evil. They unify good from evil. They unify it. And what happens is people live lives of bondage. So the voice of the enemy unites good and evil and leads people into bondage. But we are people of honor, how we give, how we live, how we, uh, our priorities in our life, with our finances. Let me go through a couple in a list in scripture that uh, honor is commanded to give the kings and leaders. There's people that have been placed in position. We honor them. We honor their position. Uh, there are Wives to their husbands. The Bible says husbands love your wives, but the man needs honor is what he longs for more than love. He wants honor, just to remember that. Uh, children to their parents, honor their parents so that life will go well. Spiritual leaders, those, those who have been placed in authority over you to, to pray for you, um, honor their position. And even the elderly Leviticus says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord. How I many know we're losing that in our culture as well? Did you know when you go to Africa, when there's a wedding in, in, the, in the tribes in the heart of Africa, what they do it, during the wedding ceremony, 
as, as someone is about to get married, they look over at the table and there's this person sitting next to him, this real old guy or this old lady, and they're like, why is he here? And they say, because we always bring the, el the most elderly person in our community and we put them at the head of the table. Isn't that neat? So just a couple things to remember. Remember, the culture of honor is celebrating who a person is without stumbling over who they are not. That's work. 1 Peter 2, 15 and 16, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Um, also, 1 Timothy 4, 12 says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers in a, an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. So just because you're young in the faith, some people may not understand what God's put on you. And we have to remember, God's going to send Generation X to Gateway Church, right? He's going to send Gen Z to, to Gateway Church. They're going to be full of fire. They're going to be full of passion. We have to be ready to honor what God's doing in the youth and not squash it, right? We have to give them the opportunity to make mistakes, to grow, and to continue to walk in their calling to learn. What do we do? What's our job is to come alongside them and help them get to the next place where um, our ceiling will be their floor. So let's take a look and remember uh, when we take a look into this story with Jesus, I want to just close with this. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says that, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, Think about this story. Jesus is in his own hometown. They fail to honor him. Jesus said a prophet is without honor only among his relatives in his own hometown because they got familiar with him. They knew him. They knew where he grew up. They knew how he went to school. They knew his father. And that's what happens sometimes as we get to know Jesus. We, we can lose our awe of him. And our wonder about him. And we, we forget like what he brought us out of. And we lose some of that awe that we have of him because we become familiar with him. Does that make, does that make sense? And so we have to watch our own hearts. I don't want to be you know, in a church and forget all that he's done for me. I want to be the craziest worshiper out there. I want to make a fool of myself, become undignified for the Lord. To show, like, I've been in this a while, but that doesn't mean... I've lost my fire and my zeal. I love Jesus. I love what he's done. I want to give him that place of honor. But Mark 6, 5, let's read that again. It says, he could do no mighty work. Now, if I would have written the Bible, I would have put down, he chose not to do any miraculous works in Nazareth. But it doesn't say that. And so I, I open up my Greek manuscripts and I look at them. It says he could not, was not able to do any great works there. Where there is dishonor, Jesus has his hands tied. Jesus would have loved to. How many know that Jesus wants to do some great and mighty works. Can't do it. Can't. Could not. Was not able. 
to do any mighty work there except a few small things. Few sick people were healed. How many know that feels like the church, doesn't it? There's a few things that happen, a little things happen. What if the key was we lacked the honor that God called us to walk in of him and his son, Jesus Christ? What if it, we're, we're not honoring him? We realize I need, to, I need to focus on this key so we can begin to see that river of God move in this place. Honor is the culture of miracles. Jesus then goes on in Mark 6, 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So let me explain that as we close and finish up here, where are those areas that we need to give Jesus his rightful place of honor in our life? That's, that's one of the areas that I would ask you this week. Before you do make a decision, before before you decide, what's my day like? Lord, what do you have for me? I want to honor you with my time, my life, my resources. Lord, I give you, I make you the king of my life. I want to honor you with my day. And then let him speak to you. Let him guide you. Let him direct you. Because when we honor Jesus, we're building his throne in this place. John 5.23 says that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And can I tell you that I feel like sometimes in the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement, we give so much room for the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. The, he is your best friend. Jesus is your best friend. And every day when you wake up, you're going to walk with Jesus. You're going to live with Jesus in you and with you. You're going to pray to the Father and Jesus is your lawyer, making intercession for him. But you've given Jesus that place of honor in your life. Let's stand together. As we close today, we're going to have a business meeting in the fellowship room. And we're going to uh, just take some time to do that this morning. But this morning, I want to just offer up some prayer. We're going to have some of our prayer teams come on up at this time. And if there are areas of your life this morning that you want to, to set right, Lord, is there an area of my life where I'm not honoring you? I ask this morning that you would reveal that to me. And the most important thing is to honor Jesus in the position that he came to do. Number one is to save you, to heal you, and to deliver you, to make him Lord of your life. And what does that mean? When Jesus is the Lord of your life, that means that you're obedient to what he says and how he leads you. And what he tells you to do, you do because he is Lord. And so this morning, if you've never made that commitment to Jesus, and you say, Pastor, this morning, whether you're listening online or you're here today, the Bible says it's very simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved.
That's the position Jesus wants in your life as your Lord and as your Savior. And this morning, if you've never made that decision before, and today you say, Pastor, I want to make that decision to give my life to Jesus, just go ahead and lift your hand up. If there's anyone here that wants to make that decision today, come on, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for moving in the hearts of your people, God. I thank you this morning. We make room. We give you the room this morning. In Jesus' name. And Lord, if there's any of us here that have been wounded from unhealthy leaders, those in authority over us, parents, Lord, we choose today to forgive them. Lord, from bad decisions, from abuse, from neglect, Father God, right now that you would take that pain from us. We release them. We forgive them. They were maybe in a place where they should have kept us safe, where they should have been covering, where they should have encouraged us. And they fell short in that area. So, Lord, if there's any of us here, Lord, we just, we release them. We release them from the pain, from the abuse. And Lord, we invite you into our hearts. That you are the good Father. Lord, that you would come into those areas, wherever that pain was, and that you would bring healing. Lord, that we could honor those in our authority, Lord, without fear. Fear of shortcoming or fear of being hurt. Lord, we invite you to fill in the gap, Lord. Where leaders maybe aren't perfect, but you are. That you would come into those areas and protect us and keep us, Lord. That we can trust once again. That we can trust leaders. Lord, that we can surrender. That we can submit without fear of being hurt or wounded. 